Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. We're in a series that's called The Greatest of All Times. And we've been thinking of Jesus Christ because he is the G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. And we've been thinking about his greatest birth of all time when he, God, became man. And then we thought of his greatest preparation when he was prepared to go out and do the ministry that God sent him here to the earth to do. And then last Sunday, Brandon led us in understanding the greatest teacher of all time because Jesus, his teachings were unbelievable. And whether we like it or not, everything that we think about ourselves and everything we know about ourselves have come from teachers that have had an impact in our lives. Every one of us. All that we know about ourselves has come from someone somewhere. Let me give you some examples. Parents have a great impact on that. Siblings have an impact on that. School teachers do. Bosses do. Friends, coaches, cultural idols. Many times our own self-talk. And even our pastors and those people who teach us about God, that has an impact. And what they say affects who we are and what we think about ourselves. So that means it's very important that you and I find the right teachers who will give us the right truthful messages that we need to hear. It makes or breaks us in our lives. So what we are saying is that Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. And if that's true, and because that's true, then we need to hear him. We need to listen to him and follow what he says. His messages have changed billions of lives in the last 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, over in John chapter 7, verse 46, it tells us what people said about Jesus' teachings. We have never heard anyone speak like that. We've never heard anyone. When the people heard him on the hillside or in the synagogue or wherever he was teaching, they stood back in awe. How can this man speak with such authority? We've never heard anything like that. That kind of understanding of Christ inspired a man back in the early 1900s to write a, a very, very famous and powerful story. It's pretty long, but the last part of it is what I want to share with you. It's called One Solitary Life, and here's what the last part says. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put them all together. You have, they have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as this one solitary life. So we've seen a lot of his greatness already. Today we're going to look at his miracles and we're going to say that his miracles were the greatest miracles of all time. Watch. Oh, I'm late to dinner. Copying and pasting money. So you take one of these things, some paper, toilet paper. Just heating up some popcorn. 
Man, I love Easter candy. Now that goes on for about 10 or 15 minutes of him doing stuff like that, which I didn't want to uh, take our time for today. But you know what? That looks like miracles. That, that guy's doing a bunch of miracles. I mean, how do you take a peep and put it in your mouth and out comes a baby chick? It's just, it's a miracle. No, it's not really. It's magic, okay? It's computer magic, and it's amazing what people are doing with computers nowadays. Let me give you a definition of magic. <clears throat> magic is the art of producing illusions by sleight of hand. So whatever a magician does, no matter how real it looks, and I watch some of these shows, and, and, I watch, and I say, how in the world? And I could never figure it out in my life, but it's a sleight of hand. Somewhere they got a trick in there, and it's man doing it. Now, let me show you what a miracle is. A miracle is an extraordinary. That means it's out of the ordinary. It means no person could really do it. It's an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. In other words, a miracle is something that only God can do. And that's what Jesus did over and over and over again. You know, he was uh, 30 years old when he started his ministry, and he was from Nazareth. You've got to understand, Nazareth was up there, and it was kind of the poor country. It was the other side of the tracks. He wasn't from Jerusalem, where you'd think someone like Jesus, the Son of God, would come from. He was a carpenter. He wasn't a, a Pharisee, one of those schooled in the religious law. He wasn't a lawyer like you would think maybe someone of distinction in the society he should have been. He hadn't gone to the schools that the rabbis attended, and yet an amazing thing is seen in one of his early miracles. So I want to read this to you, and, and I want you to notice the power of this person named Jesus Christ. Tells us in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. See, they were used to these Pharisees who really didn't care about people and who may not even have really cared about God. They just had all of this religious stuff in their minds. And when they would teach, it, was, it would just kind of go right over the people's heads. They would go and they would sit because you're supposed to go to, to Sabbath on Saturday, you know. You're supposed to go to church on Sunday, you know. And they go and they sit, but, but they get nothing out of it. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke with an authority. Man, when he said something, it really made an impact in their lives, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. So suddenly, and this is always interesting, you know, when things happen in a church service or a, a Jewish service. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. Now, he was possessed by an evil spirit, but notice what he said. Why are you interfering with us? So this evil spirit had almost like multiple manifestations in this guy's life. This guy was demon-possessed. He was evil-possessed. And that voice, that evil inside him said, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet and come out of the man, he ordered. And at that moment, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Boy, if that would happen today in church, we'd remember this service for a while, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Think of how that, you know, man, the people saw that. They heard the conversation. They heard the evil voice. They heard what Jesus said. They watched his power. They watched his authority. Amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. And here's what they said. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitingly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. And then the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of the Galilee. You see, they were used to the prophets that had come to Israel and, and others to say, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus didn't do that. When he spoke, he spoke as if he were the Lord. And so he spoke with his own authority. And when he interpreted or reapplied the law, he spoke as if he, he was the Lord of that law. And when he made promises, he spoke as if he were the Lord of those promises. And when he commanded and, and when he prohibited, when he said, do this and don't do this, he spoke as if it were God speaking. People had never heard that before. He spoke with that authority, the authority that could even command evil spirits to be cast out of a possessed man. So the people were asking, who is this guy? Who is he? And that's where his miracles come in. Because you have to understand the difference between his teachings and his miracles. Because there was a purpose for each, okay? So Jesus demonstrated, this is a key statement, so watch it. Jesus demonstrated the authority of his works, words, by the power of his works. He demonstrated that what I say is true because I'll show you the power that God my Father has given me, his Son. See, his miracles were secondary to him. The word was primary. Now, Jesus had four different kinds of miracles that he did. Okay? He did miracles over nature. One day they were out in the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee has a lot of hills around it, especially on one side, and, and the winds go through there, and, and, and storms can come up suddenly on the Sea of Galilee. They were out in a boat. Jesus was sleeping, and, and the winds came up, and the boat was about to sink, and they woke him up, and, and he stood up, and he looked at the waves, and he said, hey, calm down. Peace. Be still. And the thing just quieted. And they saw that, and they said, who is this guy? Yeah. And then one, one day, Peter was looking out of a boat, and here was Jesus walking on the water, and, and it wasn't February in Iowa frozen. It was actually water. And he was walking on the water, and Peter said, I want to do that too. And he got out, and God gave him the authority for a while until he started doubting to walk. Those were the miracles over nature, things that we couldn't do, he could do. 
Then there were miracles of supply. He was talking to five to 15,000 people on a hillside one day, and they got hungry, and so he took some little fish and little loaves of bread, and he multiplied it and fed them, and there were leftovers, and he turned the water to wine at the marriage of Cana. I mean, he had power over supply. Then he had the miracles of healing. The blind could see and the lame could walk. And, and, and he raised the dead. Day Lazarus, his dear friend, had been dead for four days. And he walked up and he just said, Lazarus, come out. And people were watching and Lazarus walked out. And he was still in his grave clothes. Then he had the miracles over evil. He cast out demons over and over and over again. And he did the greatest miracle of all, which is forgiving us. Miracles over evil. Now, we can go on. We could study those miracles. We do 25 sermons on those miracles because every one of them is so cool. But I want you to know his miracles were secondary to him. They weren't his primary reason. They just added authority to his words. Because when people would see that, see, he wasn't interested in being a sideshow kind of performer. But when those miracles happened, they came out of a heart of love for people, a heart of compassion for people. Most of those miracles, the Pharisees would never even have wasted their time on those people because they were the outcasts. They were the deaf and they were the, the people who couldn't speak and couldn't see and couldn't walk, and Jesus went to them. He was drawn to them. So that heart of love caused him to do those miracles, but that gave authority to the words that he spoke. So here's a very important statement. The miracles were his channel to present the gospel and to lead people to respond to the good news of faith in Jesus Christ. The miracles were always secondary. His teaching, his preaching was always primary. And so news about Jesus spread like a, a brush fryer in a, in a dry forest. And Jesus was preaching and preaching and preaching. And then he decided to take a break. And uh, he was going to go rest for a while. He was going to go pray for a while. And what's interesting is his disciples didn't like that idea. I get so tickled at them because the disciples are so much like you and me, just a bunch of people who do such foolish things sometimes when we're thinking about what God wants. And we think we got our own ideas, and we think our ideas are better than God's, you know? Well, this is the way I want this to turn out. This is the way I want you to do this, God. God, please make this happen because that's my plan, you know? And the disciples were all excited because they were excited about what was happening. They loved the popularity. They loved the sideshow of miracles. They loved all of the publicity that was giving to them. And uh, that wasn't what Jesus was interested in. Kind of interesting what he says in Mark chapter 1, 35 through 38. Here's what it says. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. See, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to get away for a while and pray because he knew where his authority came from. He knew where his power came from. He knew where his ministry came from. It wasn't from him. It was from the Holy Spirit that anointed him at his baptism. And it was that Holy Spirit that he had to rely on. Even as the Son of God, he was still the Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, to know that authority, 
authority and power. He had to have God's anointing on him every day. That's why we need to pray every day and be trusting God every day and relying upon him every day. So before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, hey, everyone's looking for you. Come on, Jesus. You know, they're wanting a show here. We want to get some power, more popularity. We want you to do some more tricks. Okay? Everybody wants to see that happen. We want you to get out there and do it. Here's what Jesus replied. We must go on to the other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. I didn't come to do the miracles. Sure, the miracles give authority to what I say. But I have come to tell people of God's love for them and of the only way that they can know forgiveness for their sin. So another of Jesus' miracles, uh, we just have to look at it before we leave today. Because this one showed his love and compassion as much as most any miracle that he ever did. It's in Mark chapter 1, verses 39 through 42. And it's the miracle of a guy with leprosy. He was called a leper. He had leprosy. And leprosy was a disease of the skin. But in those days, it was an unbelievably disastrous thing because it was a flesh-eating disease. And if leprosy was left untreated, and there was no cure really, what would happen is it would eat your face off, it would eat your fingers off, it would eat your toes, it would eat members of your body until finally that or infection would take your life. And so people who were lepers had to wear special kinds of clothing that signified they were lepers. And, 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 and they had to, every time they came near anyone, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And that had to take some kind of an emotional and a physical and a social toll on them. I mean, think of, of no one really knowing about your, your personality or your talents or your kindness. All they know about is the fact that you are a leper. You're an outcast. You have to stay outside the city walls. You cannot even come into the city. And anytime someone comes near you, you have to identify yourself as a unclean, unclean. Well, on this particular day, an amazing thing happened. Because the leper didn't follow the law. The law was you have to stay outside the city walls and you cannot approach anyone without crying out unclean because they can't come near you. They can't touch you. And instead of keeping his distance, this leper came up to Jesus, and he wanted to be healed. He wanted to be cleansed. He wanted to be restored to the community. And right here, the big question was this. What would Jesus do? Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabb
I never thought of Jesus as a color coordinator, but, uh, and I've never thought he would say not too shabby, but I think he might, you know? And right there you see the heart of Jesus Christ. Because you think he'd run away, or you think he would, he would ignore the person or rebuke the man. He's an outcast, you know, he's unclean. It's contagious. You'll get it too. But because of that great heart of love, and because of his desire for people to hear his message and to believe it, he went over to that man and he did something that probably no one else had done perhaps for years. He touched him. He touched him. He didn't heal him first and then touch him. He touched him. And that man's diseased body was healed. Jesus, I love this. Jesus violated ceremonial law. He did that all the time. 
because all these people had come up with all these laws and rules and regulations to try to make you spiritual. And he said, no, no, no. He said, what's important is not the law, it's people that I have come to give my life for and then to communicate a message that can change their life. So Jesus violated ceremonial law because in God's kingdom, love and compassion rule above ritual and regulations. One of the things that kills a church faster than anything is all of our rituals and our regulations that we come up with thinking we're pleasing God by that. God says, no, no, no. The way you please me is to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then love all the people that I bring into your world who are around you. And you need to go touch them. You need to go touch them. It'll change their life. So there's three final things I just want us to realize we've learned today and we've seen in Christ kind of applications of our lesson. The first is this. Jesus didn't hold us at arm's length because of our sin. Yeah, we'd sinned and fallen short of the glory of the perfection of God. Yes, we are separated from God. Yes, we deserve to be separated from him forever. But God didn't hold us at arm's length. He got right in there with us. And he identified with us. He bent low and he came from heaven because we, like the lepers, needed his authority and his power and his love and his compassionate touch of forgiveness which is the only thing that could make us clean. We needed that. And Jesus did that. Now, because we've experienced that love, there must never be one person in our midst that we hold at arm's length and that we aren't willing to go and be involved in their life and touch them. Because that is the only way that people's lives are going to be changed by God's grace. Through Jesus Christ, you and I, this week, he wants us to continue extending his compassionate touch to as many people as possible because they're all around us and they're eaten alive by their sinfulness. He says, I want you to go and love them and get involved in their lives. So that my word can come through you to them and my power can change their lives. The second thing that we learn as an application from today's lesson is this. Jesus' focus on his God-given message reminds all believers, and, and this is very important, that we got to examine why we believe in him and seek after him. See, why do you want to follow Jesus? Is it so that he'll change your circumstances? It's an amazing thing. And, and, and the world looks at us and they see us often as hypocrites because many times we don't seem to care to the world's view as much about God as we say we do and sing we do. What they see are people who kind of use God as their sideshow. So when everything's fine, I don't care about God. I don't think about God. I don't depend upon God. But you let the cancer word come in, or you let a loved one die, or you let an accident happen, or you let some child run away and you can't find him, and all of a sudden, oh, God, 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 we need you, we need you, we need you. And you wonder, why do we really follow after Christ? 
Is it because we want his miracles when we need them and then forget about them the rest of the time? Or is it because of the fact that we want to come to him in submission and in worship with gratitude for what he's already done for us? See, we need to examine every day. Where's our heart? Do I really love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And therefore, do I really love other people? Or am I just kind of in this for God to be there when I need him as my little sidekick, my little sideshow? You need to examine our lives. Because he says, I want you to follow me every day because you love me with all your heart. With all your heart. The third thing we learned today is this. Jesus took compassion I'm sorry, Jesus took complicated teachings. And I just love this. He made them simple and clear and applicable so we could really know him and have that abundant life full of joy that he promised us. And I'm always amazed at people who want to make theology and, and, and Christianity and, and, and all of this teaching stuff so Deep and so, so, to where everybody will sit there and say, I didn't understand a word the person said, but boy, it must have really been good. Because yeah. he just went right over my head. But I went to church, so I did my church thing. So I'm feeling spiritual. I'll tell you what Jesus was interested in. He wasn't interested in any highfalutin stuff. As a matter of fact, that's why he got down on his knees and touched people. He was interested that people hear the word and then take it in and let it change their lives. And here was Jesus' message. It was always a two-pronged message. Repent and believe. Everywhere he went, he said, here's what you got to hear. Repent. Repent means to come to a point where you're recognizing your life that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you want to turn from that sin and let your life be taken over by Christ and forgiven of your sinfulness and then for him to come and live in your heart and life and take control and make you the person he created you to be. Now, that's repentance. And that comes because we believe. The only way we can understand repentance is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he paid the penalty for our sinfulness, that it's all been washed away in his shed blood, and that now he's ready to give us a clean slate of forgiveness and his mercy and grace, and, and just to make us brand new, like brand new babes in Christ. Clean. Forgiven. And that teaching that Jesus had, repent, believe, then follow me. That teaching has the power to change your life and mine if we will open our souls and let his truth touch us. So I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And, and uh, we try to do this regularly here at Simple Church because... It would be so sad if someone came here to be with us and would leave and not know God's loving forgiveness and cleansing in their life. And so if you're here today as a Christian, may we examine why do I follow Jesus and am I learning his word and am I hiding it in my heart so that I can just obey him better and better and better?
See, that should be our desire. But if you're here today and you know you've never asked Christ to come into your heart or life, I just want you to know he loves you. And whether you ever choose to receive him or not as your Savior, he still loves you. But he's waiting today for you to repent and say, I know I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. And then to believe that he alone can forgive you, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He alone can forgive you of your sins. And if you're here today and you know down deep in your heart you need to ask Christ to be your Savior, and you really feel that the Spirit of God is encouraging you to do that, you just sense it in your spirit, your soul, there's a prayer up on the screen. And that prayer is a prayer you could pray if you wanted to ask Christ to come into your life. There's no magic in those words, but there is magic. There's not magic, there's miracle in what Christ does in the heart and life of every person who asks him from faith to come into their lives and take control and forgive them and be their leader. Prayer sounds like this, Jesus. Please make me a new person. I want to know you personally. I believe you are the Son of God, and I believe you paid for my sin on the cross. Forgive me of my sinfulness. Come into my life. Help me understand more of your truth and plan for my life. Thank you, Jesus. If that's the desire of your heart, if that expresses something like the desire of your heart, this could be the time right now that you could ask him to come into your life and be your savior and forgive you. So just in a moment of silence, if you'd like to just between you and God, in your own heart, between you and the Lord, just if you'd like to pray that prayer to him, feel free. He's ready to hear what you say. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your compassion. Thank you for your words of truth that set us free. Thank you for your miracles that you work, especially the miracle of salvation. We are so grateful to you, Lord, for who you are. You're the greatest of all time. And we rise up and praise you and bless you. For those who today prayed and asked you to come into their heart, I pray you'll bless every one of their lives. Help them to be the men and women the people that you want them to be. Help us to know how to work together and stand with each other to see that growth happen. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.